1: If you're ready to buy or sell a home in Pierce, South King, or Snohomish County, please check out John Hurlbut and his team over at Altitude Homes. John's an old friend and someone I know you can trust. He will also donate $500 to Ben's Fund for every closed transaction. I know how hard it is to find a real estate agent who has your best interest in mind. John can be that guy for you and benefit a great cause to boot. Check them out on the web at altitude-re.com slash HB. Again, altitude-re.com slash HB. Or give them a call at 253-222-2626. That's 253-222-2626. Go Hawks.
0: Hey, all Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. Manifestfit.com is your one, only, true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S., and what makes Blake and Manifestfit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to Manifestfit.com. Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fan life
1: or letting go. Hello everybody. Welcome to the 153rd episode of Real Hawk Talk. This is Brian Nemhauser, ad hoc blogger on Twitter. And boy, it has been a minute uh, Jeff, uh, since we got together, it's kind of, it's almost felt like summertime, you know, where everyone's gone on their own ways and done their own things. Um, but it's not summer. It's, it's, it's like, in fact, it's like barely spring in most places. So, um, glad to be back. Glad to see you. I know, uh, Mr. Nathan Ernst will be joining us as well. He was just on, and I think he's having some technical difficulties, but, uh, First, let's bring you in, uh, Jeff Simmons at Real Jeff Simmons on Twitter. How are you doing, dude? I'm
2: good, man. It's it's been a while. What was the last time we were on? Was it the draft night?
1: It was. It was. It was after their second round pick was the yeah. last time
2: I think. Yeah, it feels like it's been a while. You got a whole beard now. You got a new look going.
1: <laughs> well, you know, dude, I I gotta um I gotta grow out the pandemic beard. Um, if I don't wear a mask, I can just like kind of cover my face with my beard it's it's really convenient
2: yeah it's usually nathan with the beards but he, he looks pretty clean shaven when he popped on for a se
1: it's true we're gonna have to come back uh to that but like uh he and evan were very influential in me growing up my beard my wife's been wanting me to grow a beard out for a long time and i didn't like it because it always got really itchy but then they told me about that uh that zeus uh, shampoo. And, uh, it does, does make, makes it like your beard doesn't itch. So it, it grown out. My whole team at work is like, are you really going to grow that out? Like, are <laughs> like they're, they're trying to be nice about it. They're like, I think they want to tell me that it looks really stupid, but they're trying to be tactful because they know my, their careers are in my hands. But, um, you know, I tell them that Rachel, my wife is the product manager of my face um she gets to set the priorities and it's a super tough job uh it's she's not dealt a good hand but um she's she's doing her best and uh she's really the only user that we need to satisfy so um it's going okay um but enough about my beer dude um what have you been up to what's been been going on with you
2: ah we're still like one of the only cities in north america that's pretty much still in lockdown so it's been a quiet period in my life where we're, we're watching your country come back to normal and you guys don't have to wear masks if you're double vaccinated. I did get my vaccine a couple weeks ago, my first one, I was a little behind. Hey. So that was good. But I remember this year, last, I remember last year at this time, like Canadians were laughing at Americans for how screwed up you were. And it's funny how things have changed pretty quick. Now Canada's become a laughing stock back to normal. and You see what good leadership does and we're still stuck inside. So I've been probably following the Seahawks more than I probably should at this time of year.
1: Well, I'm, I, uh, I'm getting some kind of issues. It sounds like folks are having trouble with YouTube. Um, so see the comments coming in on chat, uh, nothing different about our setup. So I think this might be an issue with YouTube. Um, uh, so sorry about that don't know what to do on our end to try to fix it um you know um if you haven't already maybe try refreshing but i'm guessing that's not the issue uh so not sure what to say folks um i hopefully will we'll uh get the rest of this podcast recorded and and uh (laughs) everyone's saying youtube is down oh man oh great Hmm. Drat. Um, so some people are saying it's working. Other people saying it's not. If I'm playing it for me, um, for what it's worth, it seems to be working just fine for me. So, um, oh, maybe it's lagging now. I don't know. This is great podcast material. Oh, that stinks. Well, so let's get back into talking about the Seahawks. Hopefully, this thing <laughs> records. It definitely something's weirds going on with uh, with YouTube, but some people are hearing it. So,
2: hey, well, you want me to ask you a question? I do.
1: Tell me, what's your okay, question? Okay, let's
2: start with this. Have you come around on the escrow?
1: Oh that's a funny question because, so, so let's just recap. People might not have tuned in to our live pod um, when that pick was made. And I gave a hyperbolic grade, which I'm sure people will react to, which was an F to that pick. And I knew as soon as I said it, and I knew before I said it, that people were going to assume that grade was about Eskridge. And I tried to be clear. It wasn't. So like Eskridge could end up being a good receiver and for that grade to be above an F for me, what has to happen is that the other center, the centers that were available for them to pick that end up going to like Kansas city and stuff, those guys have to be bad. Okay. If Eskridge is a good receiver and there's a pro bowl center that we passed on, it will still be an F from my perspective. Like, so it's not about Eskridge. I think Eskridge has a chance to be a really good fit, like good player um, at, at a position of need. So like all that's fine. I just fundamentally believe that the center position is a weakness for this team and that they had a potential opportunity to upgrade the line in a way that would have made the line not just good, but potentially great. And I think if you have a great offensive line, I just believe that a lot of other things can click into place. Um, so that it's just, it's a positional value thing and an okay. opportunity, like an opportunity cost thing that that has me critical of their draft strategy there, not of the player. So long story
2: short, your opinion is not true. Nope.
1: Nope. Okay. I mean,
2: I'm no, happy no. it <laughs> seems like Escridge might be good. Like, I'm hearing very good things coming out of the camp about him, but rookie camp, who the fuck knows?
1: Well, let's go back to that in a second. Uh, let's welcome in Nathan Ernst at Nathan E11. How are you doing, Nathan?
3: Pretty, pretty good, uh, kind of, I guess. Uh, some small technical difficulties and throat difficulties, but hey, I'm here. Well, it's great
1: to have you. Um, uh, yeah, let's go back to what you're talking about with Eskridge, um, Jeff. What, what are you hearing um, that's positive?
2: I'm hearing that. Well, we've heard like the reports that he got open deep a couple times. He looked pretty good, but he's playing against like the equivalent of practice squad players. So you obviously don't want to overreact to that. But I heard just from asking around that they were really impressed with just his physical build. Like some people at five foot, whatever, eight or nine, look really small, like a Deshaun Jackson. Apparently I heard Brady Henderson say the same thing. He came in he was pretty like thick looking and he was getting – and, like, his speed, apparently, on the field was crazy good. So it's, it's a first impression. It doesn't mean much, obviously. We've probably heard many stories of guys looking really good in their rookie camp and playing out pretty quick. But I heard they were really impressed with just his physical stature and how fast he looked in terms of game speed because they haven't really seen him play in a long time.
1: Nathan, what are your thoughts so far? Have you read or heard anything about um, the picks that have uh, changed any of your points of view on uh, who they ended up with?
3: Not really. I mean, um, I've obviously watched a lot more of them since um, they got drafted. Um, I think they're all pretty much exactly as advertised. Um, So, yeah, no, nothing's really changed my perspective on these guys yet
1: we haven't really talked post draft. So, yeah. you know, we talked about Eskridge, but we haven't talked about the other guys, Trey Brown, cornerback and stone Forsyth. So it's not a long conversation to go over the rest of the draft picks, but we also didn't talk about anything. UDFAs, like there was a lot of undrafted free agents and some pretty decent ones. Um, any of those guys that, I mean, let's, let's take each of the, the draft picks um, first. So Trey Brown, uh, cornerback, uh, a little bit smaller, Uh, played in a pretty competitive conference and uh, Pete Carroll said he will be looked at as an outside corner, even though he's a little bit undersized. Um, uh, Any thoughts from you guys about Trey Brown? Jeff, we'll start with you.
2: For me, like I thought, I saw more big picture things. I know there's better people on this site or on Twitter who can give you like a, who can watch film and tell you, what Trey Brown's going to be, what he looks like compared to other corners. For me, just him being picked kind of send more of a big picture philosophy change. Like, I think Jim Nagy said this a couple of years ago, that they would have never even considered him four or five years ago. And to me, I thought there were a lot of, like, big picture interesting things that came out of this draft. And just looking at Trey Brown, I think, like, yeah, DJ Reed maybe changes the thing or not or Justin Coleman, but to me, it was just really interesting because they focus so much on arm length and trying to get these big long corners like Trey Flowers and they've looked at Marquise Blair as maybe an outside guy. It seems that something has shifted in their philosophy. And you can almost look at all three picks they've made and kind of take away something big picture-wise that has changed in the last couple of years. And for the most part, it does seem for the better because this division is getting faster and you have those small, quick receivers in this division. So to me, that was a really interesting, more philosophical change than anything about Trey Brown specifically.
1: Anything you want to add to that, Nathan?
3: Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see if this is like a trend now, if it's a philosophical change or <clears throat> if it's just them being willing to be adaptable, which is something that they've done an awesome job um, this off season with, right? With the void years and and different things that they've been willing to do that they haven't in the past. So. Um, I think at the very least, it's a really cool sign of some flexibility for them that we haven't really seen much from in the past, um, which I think will only help them, right? And then we'll see if this ends up being more of a, you know, real philosophical change in what, how they want to approach, you know, cornerbacks or defense.
1: Yeah, I mean, they did and their undrafted free agents uh Get some, some t- at least a taller cornerback. Um, I'm forgetting his name off the top of my head. Uh, yeah, I think
2: he was one of their priority free agents.
1: Too. Yeah, he was over six feet and had, I think, 36 inch arms in the whole whole nine. So, um, it's not like they're abandoning tall corners. And yeah. in fact, Pete and John talked about that in the post draft presser that they're still, you know, they still value that, but, um, I think to Nathan's point, they did mention like, Hey, DJ Reed uh, and your point, Jeff, like DJ Reed is, is proven that they can be effective outside and that they're going to go for the best player that can make an impact. So it's, it's good that they're not being so rigid that they're avoiding what could be like, one of the things I like about the Trey Brown pick is I like guys that have played in competitive conferences and. Had that chip on their shoulder of being kind of undersized and proven that they can match up with those big guys. He, I don't know if you saw some of the draft analysts, but they talked about how, um, they there was I can't remember the one guy forgetting, but anyway, they lowered their grade on a receiver, a highly touted receiver in that conference after watching Wallace. the tape against Trey Brown.
3: Was that Tylen Wallace from Oklahoma State? It might have been,
1: yeah, I believe so. So, I mean that's the kind of thing that to me is a great indicator of a guy that's going to come in and not be intimidated by anybody. He's already got a chip on his shoulder. He's going to carry that with him and he's going to be a dog. He's going to be tenacious. And I think that you need that in cornerbacks. And honestly, this defense has needed that in a big way, like for a few years. And last year he started seeing more of that come out, but, you know, especially with guys like, um, with Jamal Adams, but I think the more guys that are tenacious like that and just fighters, I think it sets the right tone on that defense. I love that from cornerbacks, especially.
2: And I think the last couple of years, they've focused so much on just specs and size where to be, to your point, Brian, a guy like Trey Flowers or even Shaquille Griffin to a different extent, they didn't really have that. Mm-hmm. And Sha- 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 Shaquille Griffin was as much as you could ever ask for a third round, especially the end of a third round. but they sort of lost down corners that they were just so focused on this 32 inch arms and the big corners that, that and you saw last year with just DJ Reed. I know we I don't know what kind of production we'll get from him this year over a full season, but just the attitude and the energy is totally different than what they had had since they really got rid of Sherman.
3: One thing to consider, I don't know if it was Wallace that, you know, the whatever site lowered the grade, but, um, uh, Trey called him out called that game out as one of his favorites because he played really well against Wallace the one thing to consider there is he's three years older than Wallace um, when they played against each other right <laughs> and so like there's a clear advantage there and experience and whatnot right um, you know who knows what when, when Wallace is 24 years old right he'll have been in the league for three years he'll be coming up on his or getting ready to sign a second contract or potentially an extension or something. Right. Um, so there's a lot of growth. And, and that's where the, the whole age thing comes into play. Right. It, it, when you start talking about how you evaluate these guys and, Oh, we played against, he played great against tough competition. Well, he only recently really started to play really well. Like he was a late bloomer. Um, so that is, you know, a concern with Brown and everyone really in this draft class that they, uh, they, they just took.
2: The good thing is he'll be older than guys who have been in
1: the league for a while. So maybe that's probably older than Timo Samuel. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm curious as we move on to stone Forsyth, who's the offensive tackle they drafted um, big dude. Uh, they've made sure to let everyone know multiple times that he's a big human. Uh, and it's interesting. I've, I've heard different pieces here where some people are like, yeah, we had second or third round grades on this guy um, Jim Nagy of uh, the Senior Bowl, who we <laughs> talked about a bunch and has his big influence over Pete and John. He actually said he thought that based on his conversations with NFL execs, that Forsyth went exactly where they thought he would go, that he's more of a swing tackle and not a guy that a lot of NFL teams think has starter potential. Um what is, what is your guys' take on Stone Forsythe, uh, who supposedly is a little bit more accomplished as a pass blocker than he is as a run blocker? Um, Nathan, you want to take this one first?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I didn't pay enough attention to the entire class. But I thought, because uh, he was sixth round, right? That's where they t- got him? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, second round for him would have been high, it seems like. But he seemed like a more mid-round type guy than you know late late round um and and i think he's pretty much exactly his build like uh, you know he's um big and long and pass protects you know really well and um isn't like a force in the running game but from what i saw i didn't see any big deficiencies or anything so i don't know he seems like i don't know that he has like the highest ceiling we're not i don't know that we're gonna be talking about a guy who is you know a, a top half of the league left tackle uh, in a couple of years but like can he have a Brandon Shell type career can he get to that level that feels very achievable for him so um, yeah I, I think that he's a potential steal even if he doesn't have like massive huge upside
1: yeah I'm kind of for me it harkens back to Jamarco Jones right six round I think he was a six round pick as well a lot of folks were like they thought he was you know an early round pick and had a ton of potential but then he had really bad combine results, like (laughs) epically bad combine results. And, uh, he fell. And so he's turned into a very serviceable player. Like he is a borderline starter. Like he has started a number of games for the Seahawks and he has not been a terrible starter. He's not necessarily been like a clear, like rock solid starter either, but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibilities that Jamarco Jones in his career could end up being a starting Offensive lineman. Um, I think that's possible, and so that is amazing for a six-round pick. That's great value for a six-round pick. And so, if Stone Forsyth is going to follow a similar path, and he's going to be a swing tackle, and who knows, maybe he ends up as a guard. Like that's been something we've seen plenty of times as well. He's pretty tall to play guard, yeah, but I don't know. he's probably too tall to play guard. But you know, um, we'll see. We'll see what his his path is. Let's talk about the tackle position a little bit more, though, because it's not just him. There was some conversation. Pete spent a lot of time, I think this is in the pre-draft presser, talking about that he was really disappointed in the fact that they didn't really have competition on the offensive line last year. And in general, on the roster, he said, because of the shortened um, offseason and just the, the fashion of it, they kind of just stuck with a specific set of offensive linemen, and they didn't really give much of a chance to evaluate others and one of the places he said that he's really looking for competition this year is right tackle and he mentioned Cedric Abwehi um, competing with Brandon Shell. What's your reaction to that? Like do you see those guys as as comparable players and are you happy to hear that that they're looking at a, a boy he, um, and Shell, Jeff?
2: I thought it was just the usual Pete bullshit. Um I, I, I did hear, like, that's not the only person who said that. Quadre Diggs was on, uh, I think, Mike Duger's podcast and sort of alluded to the same thing, that like last year's training camp was really weird because they didn't have time to even jealous players. And, like, that's one of the reasons he said the secondary was just so screwed up at first because they were all new guys. But, like, I, I think the oh way he is what he is, I think he's a serviceable backup. And I think he's a guy who can start in a pinch I don't think he projected. He played okay at the end of the year, but when Brandon Schell was healthy, he looked like a far better player than Cedric Owee. And To me, yeah, it's one of those things coaches have to say, but as long as Brandon Schell is healthy, because when Brandon Schell came off that injury in the playoff game, he was pretty useless, but first seven, eight games of the year, he projected probably a top 15 right tackle, so I don't think there's any scenario where Cedric O'Reilly projects at that level, so I, I, I just sort of rolled my eyes at it. I don't
1: yeah i mean i i was pretty harsh on the way he last year nathan after the philadelphia game i thought he i mean that was one of the worst right tackle performances we've seen and we've seen some really really bad ones um (laughs) in the past few years uh but he redeemed himself in in my mind he didn't he didn't become like oh this guy's rocket ship to the stars or anything like that but i was like okay He's not a disaster. He's he's not Jermaine Effetti level disaster, which is just like every game. You know, you just think that he's a turnstile. But I agree with Jeff. I didn't see him as someone who I'm like, okay, next year he's really challenging Shell. I thought Shell was a pretty pretty clear, uh, clearly separated. What what's your take?
3: Yeah, um, I I don't know. I mean, the only thing I can think of is he wants to motivate shell to like stay in shape and keep pushing like i don't know if that's what it is i i don't I, I i guess that it would have been good to have more competition like that wouldn't have been bad um but i don't yeah i don't see like oh they would have come out with it they would have oh they would have started a boy he's a whole year and oh it would have been so different or something like I mean, they had they went back to Shell every time, right? Like, they had an entire season to figure it out. Boy, he got multiple chances. And I feel like they kept going back to Shell. So I don't really know what would have changed out of all that. So I wonder if he's really just trying to, like, spook Shell or something. Um, but, yeah, I don't really understand it.
1: Now, we're getting reports that YouTube might be working now. <laughs> Uh, so hopefully folks are, are able to, uh, uh, to watch, uh, on YouTube as well as if you haven't already, facebook.com slash Hawk Blogger also has it always live streaming and multicast on Facebook used to work on Twitter. I don't know if it still does. I think it might've stopped, but, um, it used to be on twitter.com, uh, uh, real Hawk talk, but in any event, um, any of the UDFAs that are on your guys's radar um i admit i have not had a chance i've heard connor weddington's name a few different times um i don't know a ton about him
3: he's a receiver yes he tackled pete <clears throat> that was pretty amazing what yeah oh have you not seen the video no it's uh, it's just gonna make you feel bad about yourself because pete's 89 years old and uh, Connor Weddington kind, of, like, kind of can't tackle him for a minute and then they, he strips the ball and they both dive for it and like Pete legit kind of dives for the ball and then just like gets up off the ground better than I can right now so <laughs> uh, it's actually really impressive uh, Pete is you know 25 years old eternally oh, man if only um,
1: no <laughs> <laughs> uh isn't isn't Connor like? Didn't he go to Stanford? Or am yeah. I thinking the wrong guy? Yeah, he's a local Seattle, he's a local Washington, guy. local Washington guy, right? Um, and he turned down, he turned down bigger money to come back to Seattle. Um, I mean, how do we feel about the receiver
3: group? I feel pretty good about it now. So I don't know that Weddington has much chance at contributing as a receiver this year. He's more of a toolsy special teams guy that you know maybe he can be a project or something down the line. I think. Um, although I say this, you know, not having watched the second of him playing. So, uh, take it for what it's worth. Um, obviously they got Eskridge, um, and obviously Lockett and, you know, DK are, you know, maybe as good as, you know, uh, one, two punches, any receiver group in the league. Um, and so you had an Eskridge and, uh, Kate Johnson is really exciting too. He, uh, the, the guy everyone compares him to, um, is Lockett, um, not quite the same athleticism. More like uh, post-injury um, locket athleticism. Um, but uh, really, you know, fun um, player that can stretch the the defense deep, um, make tough catches, go up and get balls. Um, he's really exciting. And they got him to the UDFA. So, like, there's a chance between, you know, him and Swain that, you know, you could have – in Ursua, I guess, is still around. Who else am I missing? There's someone that's still around.
1: Ursua's a coach now, isn't he?
3: <laughs> uh he's in the AARP well he is in the AARP but I think he's still playing okay uh, Now I guess that's oh Penny Hart so they have some options to kind of fill out the 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 back I mean there's a little bit of risk here because you're still looking at relying on like a rookie or a late ra- you know late round receiver who's just a couple years into his career but I don't know it looks pretty good
2: yeah I thought it was really interesting just hearing Pete and John talk after the draft uh, especially the day after the Eskridge pick where they were just name-dropping other receivers. So it sort of made me something click in my head like, a couple days later where there, a whole off-season plan where we're like, why are they not signing a receiver? Why are they not signing a receiver? It was sort of like the pass rush thing last year. It was pretty clear what their plan was, and it led into the UDFA. But by not signing the receivers and leaving that group paper thin, just listening to John talk, it seemed like their whole plan, regardless of who fell, they probably ideally want to trade back because they had slotted receiver as their first pick. Yeah. That was yeah. going to be their first pick regardless. And then they're going to use the fact that they hadn't really added bodies as a UDFA strategy. And they were able to get Cade Johnson, who was pro one of the top UDFAs available. They got Weddington and they got that guy from Florida State, the really tall
3: guy. I can't remember his name. Marion Terry.
2: Marion Terry, the Ricardo Loquette kind of guy. Um, and all of a sudden, from by leaving all those roster spots open, sort of made sense what they were doing here because all of a sudden their bottom of their like the last two spots of their receiving group are much more interesting than they were and you could have guys on the cheap because they're going to have to pay Metcalf soon and to have Eskridge and possibly Kate Johnson and maybe one more on dirt cheap deals to match what Lockett and Metcalf are going to be making the whole thing sort of made sense and it's why they sort of left that spot blank in the veteran free agency period because it made them more appealing and even like it seems like if they traded back, they were going to take a receiver as well. Like he mentioned, Amari Rogers, I, I think that would have been their pick from Clemson. So all of a sudden, a group that looked pretty bare that we were looking like Freddie Swain might become a one, receiver one or two if there's an injury. All of a sudden, it looks really more well-rounded, and it makes a lot of sense where they have complementary skill sets. Kate Johnson can do a little things that some of the other people can And Sam so, Snow can ask, ask for speed is so much different than, say, Freddie Swain it's a much more interesting group than it would have been prior to this draft or look pretty big.
1: I think it is notable. I think, I think we started to see the impact of Shane Waldron on this offense. Like they, they started taking players that are different than I think they've taken a little bit in the past. Like specifically the receiver position jumps out at me um, because at least two or three of them have like, running back or at least um yak kind of uh resumes and while the seahawks i mean i think they more classically gone after you know the 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 normal conventional um outside receiver and the normal conventional slot receivers um it seems like they do want to bring the wide receiver into the running game i think would be at least my assumption based on what we've seen from the Rams offense in the past. And I think there's other places that we've seen. I think that that is why they didn't draft a center. Um, I think they, they talked about in in one of the press conferences about, they're really hoping that the offensive linemen aren't going to have to block very long. Like that's a, con- that's a significant part of what clearly is their strategy for pass protection. And, um, I don't think that they place a lot of value on the center having to do much um, in the way that they're hoping that the offense works. And so, I don't know. It'll be really interesting to see how Waldron's influence pays off. And what I really hope what would make this pick like much more palatable for me is if the Rams very likely could have wanted Eskridge because they were the one pick behind and they drafted a guy that is almost identical.
2: Well, he, he said the Rams called them. Oh, really? Yeah. S. Rich Sanders' press conference, it might have been a slip up, but he said the Rams called him right before the pick.
1: <laughs> I love that. I love that. I hadn't heard that. i sp- suspected it, but I hadn't heard confirmation. That's fantastic. Um, I'm very petty. You guys should know that about me by now. I, anything that comes into division rivalries or other, I'm just great. Speaking of rivalries, total aside, what the hell's going on with Aaron Rodgers? Like, it, 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 like, what's the deal there? Like, has there been any progress? Because I thought I saw something like, if people didn't think this was serious, they do now. But I didn't really dig in to find out what happened. Anything new?
3: Well, I don't know if there's been anything significantly new since, like, it seemed like they all but had a deal done with the Broncos and then backed out at the last second before the draft. Um. I don't know if there's been anything major since then.
2: No, it's like the Russell Wilson thing, but times 100. But, yeah, there's just no – both sides are incredibly stubborn. So, we've seen how stubborn the Packers are, with how they approach the roster building. You know, stubborn and petty here. So, it's just leak after leak and nothing is really moving. So, yeah, they're, you know. they're miserable right now, which I kind of enjoy because we had to go through
1: it a little bit Well, part of what made me think about it um, was seeing a a video of Olivia Munn doing cliff diving on TikTok last night and uh, just remembering how much of an idiot Aaron Rodgers must be to have. uh,
3: Well, she's involved in a whole other drama, celebrity relationship drama thing now with John Mulaney. I don't know about that. Oh, that's I don't know if we (laughs) want to do celebrity gossip. You know, John Mulaney. (laughs) I do. My wife thinks he's hilarious. He abruptly got divorced uh, like a week ago. Announced it, and it sounds like it was pretty one way that he wanted the divorce. And then, like two days later, it came out that he was dating Olivia Munn. So, oh, man. that is.
2: Hard. Yeah, I like
1: I mean, yeah, Olivia Munn's pretty amazing, but that's 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 not a good way to live your life. I'm, I'm, that's crazy. That's- <laughs> that's not a good human being thing to do. Um, all right. <laughs> the chat is hilarious. Uh, similarly very related to football. Um, I made the points on Twitter that people are not talking about in chat that, that, um, I mean, is there a better bargain in the f- world of fruit than a pineapple, like two 99 for a full
3: pineapple, like There's a lot of work. You got to put in the work now see this is the magic
1: my like nephew bought me one of these things that's like a pineapple core and you just put it in the You cut off the top you cut off the bottom then you turn this thing and it just spins out it spits out the uh, core and you just get the rings of pineapple it takes like 20 seconds really It's it's a life changer dude life changer then you grill it up you put it on the grill Sometimes, sometimes yeah. it's a smoothie thing or just a snack. Like, you know, you put it in the fridge. It's, but I mean, I just fruit's expensive. Like, and, you know, a whole pineapple, but you're right. I think it's, I think it's the, I think it's the work. What about uh, bananas?
3: But you said like bananas. bananas? How much, <laughs> Brian, if you had to guess, how much does a bunch of banana, like a, a thing of bananas cost? I would say like,
1: Five
3: ninety nine. Okay, am I right? I have no idea. Oh shit! I'm gonna look it up. Bananas are cheap, man. We—is <laughs> this real? Prices right? Talk now. No. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna go on Amazon and look this up. Um, Do people buy bananas on
2: Amazon? <laughs> <laughs> like...
1: This is what people tune in for, by the way. So, um, don't yeah. You worry it seems me. like Dana's upset. What the heck? That can't be right. I just saw a bunch of bananas uh, is twenty dollars. That thing, that can't
2: what? Be right.
1: No, what is going on?
3: A single banana at Safeway's thirty-two cents. Yeah, fifty that's... cents if you want to be fancy and get it organic. The organic bananas. Yeah, they're <laughs> organic bananas. Crazy. How many what buys those? Right
1: All right, we're not going to go farther in this because I'm, I'm going down too far down a rabbit hole. But um, how are we feeling about the roster? Like I like we talked about it before the draft. Um, I think running back seems like it's in good shape, right? Quarterback is is what it is. What do you want to say, Nathan? But, to say?
3: I just love that that's where you started. You gotta start yeah, at was that, was yeah. your reason.
1: <laughs> well, it's you know, back of the back of the formation forward, I was
3: kind of thinking. So uh what are you guys, because um, you're comfortable with the running back situation? Yeah. Yeah, I mean what 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 would you expect to see that we don't have? I don't know. I just thought that you would Penny, DJ Dallas. Who else are the backups? I mean
1: Collins, Homer. Yeah, they've got I mean Alec Collins is I think a total hedge against Penny and a good one. And I'm I'm high on Penny. Like I'm not saying he's gonna be the next great thing, but and I didn't think it was news at all that they didn't pick up his fifth round option, um, or fifth year option. Sorry, he uh, should have won the fifth round. <laughs> yeah, that, that is very true. We're all agreed on that. But he was a big play um, back for them, more than Carson even. So you know, if if he's healthy, I, I think he's perfectly I, I prefer him to someone like Carlos Hyde, who I think, to me, is limited. <laughs> you I take know. it for this. I'm not, I'm not a fan. I mean, he's fine. I'm fine. Right, right. What about the other position? For yeah, we're wasting too much Yes, sorry. So you guys, you guys brought me back. I was moving on. Uh, quarterback. I don't think we have to talk about. We've got the guy that's going to be the guy. Uh, receiver. We just talked about. I feel a little differently than you guys. I mean, I think they've got two guys and a bunch of question marks. Like there might be guys that are more promising question marks, but I think they got two guys and a bunch of question marks. So I don't feel like receiver is anything above like whatever grade you'd give DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett by themselves, which is probably like a B plus. <laughs> like if you're looking at like the overall receiver group. Um, so I think there's some questions there. It has, has some upside um, tight end. Feels like very solid group, right? Gerald Everett still, I think probably a fr- one of the most forgotten acquisitions of this offseason. And, you know, you got Disley. I think Tyler Mabry is a guy that, that, Likely won't make the roster practice squad kind of guy, but is a blocking tight end that nobody knows about. And the team was super high on his, including some of the players were pretty high on him last year. He stuck around from nowhere. So he's a guy I have my eye on coming into training camp that might make some noise. Um, but tight end position looks solid. Offensive line. We talked about. Uh, yeah. Is there, they did say that they are moving um, Damian Lewis to left guard. Uh, so he'll be next to Dwayne Brown and they're moving uh, Gabe Jackson to right guard. So he'll be next to Cedric Abuehi, Um or, or Brandon Schell. Any thoughts about, is that, that registered to you guys at all as, as meaningful news um, that Damian Lewis is moving over next to the, the more seasoned vet and Dwayne Brown, like anything that you think that unlocks for the team in terms of those two pairing up more.
3: It's really more about, just where Gabe wants to be, right? Isn't that why the changes is happening? Yeah, I don't know that same thing really do with Lewis.
1: Is that where Gabe Jackson played yeah, exclusively for, I mean, I thought he played both. both, both I,
3: He played, uh, now I can't remember. He played on one side for a long time and then had moved um, recently. And I don't remember which one, from where to where he moved. I want to say he had been a right guard and then was moved to left guard. And now he's going back to right guard, but I don't remember.
1: Yeah, I think, I think that's right. I think he has moved around a little bit. By the way, there's lots of conversation about John Mulaney still going on in chat. And uh, Stan Van Gundy has joined our chat and has been wonderfully contributing um, in super chat, which we appreciate. He has a real problem with Canadians though, Jeff, he is like, railing against Canadians. He does not like Olivia Munn because she's Canadian apparently. So yeah. Um, know i don't know what to do about that but you should you should know (laughs) that that there's some canadian hate um and shade being being sent over the internet that's fair but john ryan's canadian john ryan is canadian um so yeah i mean i i don't offensive line wise they they did make a big deal about ethan postick's gonna battle with kyle fuller i did not hear phil hayne's name my ears were all like perked like just say the name and i'll like forgive everything and and uh, they didn't say the name so i do want to know where phil haynes fits in i'm hoping that that he gets a a shot but offensive line you guys feel pretty good about that where they are heading into camp
3: go for it jeff
2: it's solid it's not spectacular i think like we said i think you see the influence of shane waldron and how they're building things i think it really much resembles how the Rams have built their offensive line. Dwayne Brown is sort of their version or our version of Andrew Whitworth. The guards are pretty solid. Like, Roger Sappold was probably their best guard they had in the McVay run there. Our guards are probably better players or similar players to Roger Sappold in terms of Damian Lewis. Hopefully his pass protection improves. The center is just the guy. Street. They have, like, street free agents, essentially. Veteran street free agents. And The right tackle is more of a mauler, and it's very similar built to what the Rams did, and you can see just across their offense, it just seems like that was their model, the the team that beat them last year, and it looks very similar to those couple Rams offensive lines. I don't think they're going to be as good as the one they went to the Super Bowl with, but I think it will be functional, and I don't think it will be bad, so I think that's fine.
1: I I think that the offensive line is good. My biggest, my biggest issue with the offensive line is that I think it's been assembled in a, a bit of a short-sighted way. I think it's good next year. I don't know if it's good in two years or good in three years. And like Brandon Shell, he's on the last year of his deal. I don't know that he's like the guy you want to extend and keep around forever. Like, I don't know if he's that guy. Um, Ethan Posick, we've talked about a lot. Uh, you know, I don't know. He's a guy that you want to keep around forever. Dwayne Brown is on the old side don't know how long he's going to be around so there are some like just roster construction parts of the offensive line i have questions about which is another reason i really wanted them to draft a, a stud center to to build around but um yeah I, that, that's my main question offensive line wise otherwise starters i think they're solid i think i think people are actually like way more negative about the offensive line than they should be i think that's i think that's based off of history more than it's uh, based off of uh last year to be to be totally honest um so offense offense in general you guys feeling like this offense heading into camp is better or worse than the offense that the seahawks ended last year with
3: i think it's quite a bit better right yeah offensive line is better i mean they've upgraded with gabe jackson and it's otherwise the same (sighs) um i think everett i mean Olsen yeah Olsen didn't work out um and there's lots of reasons for that Disley maybe isn't rebounding back to the guy he was so like it was a really disappointing spot last year Everett should improve that and then Disley has a chance to get better who knows that you got a Parkinson um and you know yes there's still a lot of questions about the depth in the receiver room but it's not like that with the strength of the team last year so um I don't know that it's, like, a ton better, but I think it's better, and I think it should be able to weather some storms maybe um, better than last year's group did, just in terms of, like, injury nutrition.
2: Yeah, I thought last year, and the biggest thing, they had no counterpunches. People took away DK and Lockett, and I hammered on the show pretty much every week. It just felt like every big moment. Jacob Hollister or David Moore were the key players on so many third downs and so many big spots. And to go from those two guys to potentially Dwayne Eskridge, who there are questions about, but you can see what he does well and where he fits. And to add him and Gerald Everett and hopefully get more of Disley and Chris Carson and Penny are back, I think personnel-wise, they're much better suited in terms of having that counterpunch, having Dwayne Dwayne Eskridge and Everett instead of Holster and Moore. To me, that's a
1: pretty big upgrade. Yeah, I'll keep coming back to, I think the biggest upgrade of the offense is the play collar and and the scheme. I just don't think that we can really overestimate how much of a difference that could potentially make. If you get, if you get Russell Wilson in an offense where he's getting rid of the ball faster and he's not getting sacked. I mean, guys, he's been sacked like 40 plus times pretty much every year. I mean, sometimes 50 plus times. if you somehow are able to get that down to the low thirties, which is not an insane goal. Like, it's not like all of a sudden they're the top, you know, the best, the least sacked quarterbacks are going to be sacked in the teens, like in any given year. I don't think that's realistic, but if you get it down to the low thirties, those are how many plays are those, you know, that were negative plays moving behind the sticks, potentially causing uh, turnovers and, and other things that will now at worst be incompletions hopefully you know or or you know you know not a loss of yards so i think that that could be huge for this team i think um the other thing that this team has not typically done well is get players the ball in space and give them an opportunity to run after catch like that has not been something we've seen a lot of dk metcalf he had a few plays last year where he caught the ball on one side of the field, ran completely across the field and around and cornered and got all the way to the end zone. Like, I mean, he just made them run after the play catches on his own. What does it look like if he's in an offense where it's built for him to have a little bit more space and maybe he is um, getting a chance to do more crossing routes than we saw from him? Or what does it look like if Russell is having to pass it two yards in order to gain 15 instead of always having to throw it 50 yards in the air to get the the big plays. So I, I, you know, not to mention Gerald Everett and all that, like, there's so many things there that I just don't think we know. And I also don't think we really know what Chris Carson's going to look like in this offense. You know, like personally, I think it much better fits Rashad Penny, his style of running, like you give Rashad Penny a gap and counters to run in. Like he is a, he is pretty explosive when he has a hole to run through. He's just not really a tackle breaker is what he hasn't really shown. So anyway, I, I think that that's going to be a huge thing that we won't really know until it gets on the field, but I agree with you guys. Personnel wise, it's at least as good. It seems like it's better. And um, I think the, the, the scheme is going to be a big, big potential upgrade defensively. They've got 10 cornerbacks on this roster. And that's not including Marquise Blair or Ugo Amadi, who are both expected to play corner, right? They have 10 corners, but do you feel good about them?
3: I mean, I don't think I can name more than four of them if you're not including Ugo and Blair. I know. All right.
2: Who are they? Let's
1: look let's, let's, let's them up. Uh,
3: there's DJ, there's Flowers, there's Brian Mills, which is the UDFA they just signed. There's Kello. Oh, yeah, Kello. Yeah, 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 Kello. Uh... Trey Brown? Huh? Trey Brown, did you name? Oh, yeah, Trey Brown, yeah. <laughs> OK. I want the six. Who are the numbers for? That's Pierre five. Desir. Oh, Pierre Desir, that's right.
1: Oh, Gavin yeah. Heslop. Brian Mills is one of the big name uh, UDFAs they signed. He's the 6'1 guy. Ryan Neal, who we talked about. Well, Randall.
3: Safety, What's that? Neal's a safety, right? Or are they moving him?
1: No, he's um, a safety. He's listed as a corner on the roster, but um, okay. yep. Uh, Demarius Randall, DJ Reed. Savion Smith is a guy we didn't mention. They, they picked him up from, what was it, Indianapolis? It was- I think Dallas. Dallas? All right. That's right. That's right. I don't know right. anything about him. Uh, Akella Witherspoon forgot about him <laughs> admit it's been a little while i'm pretty excited about him uh jordan miller okay um i think that's it but i mean that's and that's so, yeah let's count that up that's one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven if you count ryan Neal as a safety then that gets it back to ten but then you're talking about blair and Amadi. um Back up to
3: 12. That is the uh that's the equivalent of the Seahawks receiver group without DK and Tyler.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of fantasy football and the guys that constantly are like, I'm gonna trade you five of my players <laughs> for you know for DK Metcalf. Right. It's gonna be great. you can get five guys that are totally mediocre for your great player. And the rule in fantasy football, right, is Whoever gets the best player gets it, it wins the trade. It does not matter how many other guys you you can pile a bunch of Bs together, and if you're getting an A in return, it's a good trade. So, I see in that list, like, I don't know if there's a single A in that list. No. Oh, oh no.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no. I don't know if there's a B in the list. Yeah, I don't. know. <laughs> um, um, I think DJ reads at least a B. I think he's at best to be, I mean, he looked good at times last year. He also looked bad at times last year and he played, you know, he didn't play a full season. Like uh, there's a lot of questions, a lot yet to be seen from DJ Reed.
1: I think that's fair. I think his performance last year was at least a B. Once he settled in that
2: Buffalo game was really bad. But,
3: But what was that over like? Three games, four
2: games. Like. Yeah, he played. When he, when he moved to outside at the end of the year, he played really well. Yeah. But when he was playing inside, that Buffalo game specifically, it was really yeah. bad. That. Everybody looked like an ass yeah, in that. That was the most ass secondary game I could ever remember. Yeah, that was bad.
1: Um, beyond that, I mean, with exactly. when, w- when he's healthy, I think, you know, I think he has higher, higher upside, but I, you know, he's at least a B minus kind of uh, corner. So, I mean, but that's, I think that's, that's the point, right? Like this is part of why, I mean, Pete talked about that. He's been in contact with Richard Sherman, but they're not looking to add corners. He was pretty clear about that. Um, and the way I interpreted what Pete was saying is they're going to get all the way into camp before they would even consider Sherman. If, if Sherman was around that they'd, they'd maybe look at it then. I don't know if Sherman's going to be available that long. We'll find out, but It doesn't look like a move they're going to make and i think it's a mistake i I think this team would have a much better chance of winning if they brought even if they brought richard sherman in as a vet and he was just coaching some of these guys or helping to bring them up you know i just think it's a i think it's a miss to have a guy like that sitting out there and not add him to your roster when both sides are positive about each other and you can figure it out from a – you have leverage from a, a contract perspective. I don't get it because I don't look at this list of corners and see Jeff like – I'm like, yeah, we're good. We're good.
2: Yeah, I was looking at the roster a couple of days ago. I had the exact same thought. I think – I don't understand why they are not bring him in because say DJ Reed takes one spot down and then I guess Witherspoon would be the early favorite to – Get the other spot. Say he plays left corner. I think he has pretty good upside, Witherspoon, but his performance fluctuates like crazy. So, just in the event that say he gets injured or say he doesn't perform well, who's your backup there? Is it Trey Flowers? Is it Trey Brown? Are you comfortable with that? To me, they talk about competition. Sherman's the perfect guy for this kind of scenario. For me, like you have them compete. If Witherspoon comes out and wins one of the jobs. And that's great. That, that's a great trading sign. You can maybe have Sherman and witherspoon if Weatherspoon and Reed are your best corners in camp. That's a great situation. but To me, if Sherman's price point is you can't have a high price point right now. He's got no market. He's still sitting out there. We thought the draft might be a move point for him, but it didn't. To me, if they need a veteran experience, they need someone who can play and sort of develop to the next phase. And they don't really have that starting caliber player that you can rely on. So to me. It's sort of a no-brainer to sign them. I don't really understand their logic because most of the guys at the bottom of their roster look like special teams players. And and if money's is an issue, you can cut Trey Flowers, save two million bucks, I think, and bring Sherman. So Flowers in the last year of his deal, they're not going to re-sign him, most likely, unless he has a crazy spike in performance. To me, the roster sets up perfectly to bring Sherman. I don't really understand their resistance to it.
3: I mean, it takes two to turn the keys, though, right? I mean, two people have to turn the keys. So for all we know like it would not surprise me if Pete said hey we'd love to have you come in we can't guarantee you any playing time right and Sherm's like cool that might be an awesome opportunity for me uh in you know about six weeks or whenever we start to get into training camp and no one else has offered me a starting job right I mean Sherm doesn't Sherm has a lot of years left that he can coach he doesn't have a lot of years left that he's gonna be able to play and it wouldn't surprise me if he's just waiting to, you know, find a spot where he can maybe find a, a team that's got some, um, you know, chances of, uh, you know, playing the playoffs, and he can get some regular playing time and really contribute, um, as opposed to just, you know, coming into the Seahawks job. And you know, it's not crazy to think that between Trey Brown, DJ Reed, Kello uh, Flowers, even right, and and who knows if Blair gets a look outside. Um, Sherm could get cut right he could have come here without any kind of guarantee to be a good team player and then they got to cut him right At you know in, in the middle of preseason and, and then who knows what the situation is so um, it, I wouldn't necessarily say that this is a, a Seahawks you know it doesn't make any sense for the Seahawks not to do this I think that you know if it was lined up exactly the way we're saying it they probably would um, but I don't know that that's a great deal for Sherm.
1: I think that's fair i i think this is one of those things that people are going to look back on he, he's going to he's going to end up with some team and he's going to be really good and we're going to be biting our nails on game day hoping these guys can cover and I, I mean it might work out i mean i really i like i've been very positive in general about how they've handled the cornerback position thank god that they didn't sign shaquille griffin we were all you know super supportive of that choice and What it opened up in other parts of the roster, but you know, I'm looking at Gavin Heslop and you know Brian Mills and you know, like these are very hopeful. This this is like a collection of names that we're hoping that someone pops and and uh, what were you gonna say, Jeff?
2: I was gonna say it's sort of like how they handled
1: defensive end last year. Exactly reminds me of
2: that. But I do think on like the most optimal. I don't think there's a huge gap between what Griffin's been the last couple of years and what Witherspoon can be. I don't think there's a huge gap there, but I worry that they're overly optimistic in what they have. there. sort of like the defensive end group last year. We saw how that gone when people were asked to do things that they're just not capable of doing. We saw how bad it was until Dunlap came in. Um, so a couple more things,
1: and we're – Oh, Sorry, Nathan, were you going to say something?
3: I, I kind of want to just throw this out here so in, you know, three, month, four months, whatever, I can look smart. Uh, is the obvious Dunlap for this cornerback group, Stephon Gilmore? Is he the guy that they get six weeks into the season and they flip a fifth-round pick to the Patriots for Gilmore?
2: That would be incredible.
3: Well, I don't know if Gilmore is the name.
1: But I had the exact same thought. Like first, what Jeff said, which is like this feels like their approach to defensive line last year, number one. And number two, if that's the case and they're basically leaving some powder dry to potentially find someone to compliment, who would that be? And so that that's a good that's a good name. But it feels like we should brace for them to find maybe find out that this uh, journeyman approach to the cornerback position is not a way. To a recipe for for making a, a a good secondary um and they will have to potentially upgrade some other way um and maybe that will be sherman still you know who knows if he'll be available but um otherwise yeah like why gilmore what does he what,
3: is, what makes you think say that well he was getting shopped last year there was serious talk about whether they were going to move him and i think his play had kind of fallen off a little bit who knows how um what his situation is with where that team is right now so the team's still bad they were already looking at shopping at him i think he's last year's deal um so you know he's one of those guys that uh could be a very like Dunlap type situation now can you actually get him for something fifth, sixth round pick right or is he gonna be more like a clowny thing or even more right i mean he's got huge name recognition right but i think if we had said you know at this point last year that oh don't worry they're going to trade a seventh round pick for carlos dunlap we've been laughed at right and that (laughs) worked out so who knows maybe it's not gilmore i think they have another corner um that is in the same situation on the patriots and you know there's lots of teams out there right so
1: holy crap two things that we didn't talk about i don't know if you guys could stick around a couple more minutes but one not that big of a deal but worth just saying daryl taylor looks like he's gonna be playing sam um pretty big deal. I think that's a pretty big deal, and you know, don't know what you guys. If you guys have any points of view on that, I, I think if it, if he's exclusively playing Sam and is not a rush end, they've said he's going to do both. But if if it, his like contribution is just playing the Sam linebacker role, that will have been a messed up pick.
2: I think Derek's head might explode
1: if that's the Yeah, case. <laughs> yeah, like. I don't quite buy the Bruce Irvin role that he'll play there and then play rush end because they've got so many other rush ends. I just, it feels like this is maybe a bit of a hedge. Um, My initial take is he's probably going to be a Sam linebacker
3: for a while and not be a rush end. It's also the clearest path for him to get on the field and play. Like they have a deep edge group. Right. Um, And so, uh, yeah, I, I don't know if it's a hedge as much as it is, he's athletic and big and we don't have any other real Sam linebackers. Um, so yeah, go for it. Let's see what you can do. Right. Because you're probably going to have to be battling for, you know, uh, path rush snaps for a little while.
1: Um, Other big news. If I can move on is the schedule. Yeah. Sure. We didn't talk about the schedule. And one of the things, one of the first things I saw about the schedule was Colts, reporters or Colts bloggers whoever they were like super happy that they get to start the season against the Seahawks and like that the Seahawks have a shitty defense and like a bad offensive line and a perfect like perfect chance for the Colts to start 1-0 what the hell like why why do people think the Seahawks are bad like, around the league, like the respect has completely eroded for the Seahawks. They won 12 games last year. What, I, think what the, I,
0: I think the
2: Russell Wilson story really changed the perception of the Seahawks nationally. And like I saw the other day, one of the national reporters wrote, they had like a disaster an offensive line. And then that stuff with the Colts reporter, I think there, people love, remember that Rams game where they got killed by Jared Goff with four fingers. I think that and that led to Russell Wilson sort of tirade. And I think the perception of the Seahawks, and I think there's a huge difference between how the Seahawks offseason went from a local perspective versus national. Even if you hear some like the most harsh B writers, they're pretty positive about how the off-season went. But if you hear some of the national guys talking to the Seahawks, and you saw with that Colts thing, it's like they're they've become like the Eagles or something. And to me, like I don't get it. I guess they're just not following that closely or maybe they just, I don't know. But I, I totally saw the same thing.
1: Was there something about the schedule that that stuck out to you guys? Um, I'll tell you, like starting with three or, three or four on the road, some pretty tough games in there. That stuck out to me. Um, it looks like a tough start to the season.
2: Yeah, that was my take. The start looks really tough tough, but you don't play like an A quarterback in that stretch, but the end looks pretty good. So this happens to a lot of Seahawks' schedule where they want to... Unfortunately, it's going to play into probably Pete's approach where you can't win in the first quarter, to, and it's going to annoy everyone. But at the end of the schedule, you have Houston, you have Chicago, and you have Detroit. So those... Houston and Detroit are probably two of the worst three rosters in the NFL, especially if Watson doesn't play. So if you just get through the beginning of the year it could be really good sort of this year where they had all those NFC East games, which helped them win the division. I think it could be a similar, similar thing, but being the year is just tough physical teams back to back to back. But the good thing about the Colts in week one is their left tackle retired and they signed Eric Fisher from the Chiefs who tore his Achilles. So he's not going to be ready for week one. So if you're asking for a time to play Carson Wentz, who's in the first game with a new team with no left tackle, and you've seen how he's done with that bad pass protection, you could have asked for a better time to play in play
3: I am always asking for a time to play Carson Wentz. Schedule me to play Carson Wentz. Any, and by me, I mean, of course, the uh, athletic group of people who play football for the Seahawks, not me personally. <laughs> they represent uh, you, Nathan. Uh, so, Hale, uh, did you guys notice? So there's actually, I don't know if anyone else noticed this, but there's a mistake on the Seahawks' schedule. So if you go through and you count up all of their games, they actually have them scheduled for 17 games, which can't possibly be right. That has to be a mistake somehow, right? Yeah, because why would anyone play 17 games? Like it's an odd number.
1: Uh, it ruins like all sorts of records that have been taken up for so many years. Like it's that can't any, be
3: right any anymore. No, sure. there's no I 500 record. There will not be a
1: 500 record. Can't do it. So It'll be interesting to see which
3: game they drop when they fix that. <laughs>
1: uh, so they start, at, they start at the Colts, 10 a.m. game. They, they play at home against the Titans. Um, that's going to be a fun game, actually. I, I, I was, I'll, I'd I I'll be looking forward to watching the Titans. They've been an interesting team to watch. Uh, they play at the Vikings, which is going to be tough. Um, at the 49ers, like that's just a tough five games. Then they play home against the Rams, tough. And then they go at the Steelers. Not easy. Home against the Saints. Saints should be mediocre this year, most likely. I mean, they 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 have some good talent, but Drew Bree's retiring is a big deal. Home against the Jaguars. Kind of cool to see Lawrence play. Um, right? He's there. Um that little Bevel, Bevel and
2: Shoddy reunion
1: game. Bevel with shoddy and like half the Seahawks are down there. A bunch of like like uh my favorite running back plays there,
3: doesn't he? Yeah, Hyde is there. there. First Does Quill get a pick? <laughs> Does Quill <laughs> get an interception against Russell? Oh ball? man, that would. No, no.
1: I mean, you, Russell oh, can God. throw at him repeatedly and never worry about it being getting picked off. It might be well covered, but he will never turn around to pick off the ball. Um, at the Packers,
3: that could be a pretty easy game, right? I mean, if Aaron Rodgers retires, I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah if Aaron Rodgers doesn't play for them, like. What are the Packers without Aaron Rodgers?
3: Um, like, how many games can you go with like uh, holding out before you like lose your eight. season? All right. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So he would have come back the week before. Oh classic. <laughs> Jaguars, yep, yep. yeah. Yep. So
1: I'm hoping that it doesn't get resolved, but um, uh, then they're home against the Cardinals. Tough at Washington. People are like, Washington's like some powerhouse now. They have Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback. I just don't get why everyone's like, I mean, they were decent last year with Dwayne Haskins, right? Was their quarterback. Well, um, really so, well, we played them, so we almost lost to him. Fair <laughs> 49ers at the Texans should hopefully be an easy game at the Rams. Tough home against the Bears. We'll find out maybe we can see fields play that game <laughs> home against the lions jerry Jared goff. Jared goff maybe with all his fingers and then at the cardinals to end it's not well there's not like a real comfy stretch in there um
2: texans the- bears Lions. that's the only one
1: yeah um well that's not even three in a row It's three out of four um you get the pretty root. good rams in there but um and as far as i don't know if you guys do you guys you guys travel for games sometimes right like um go to yeah. a fun kind of collection this year i don't think i've been to indianapolis seen a game there wouldn't super recommend it to be honest um at minnesota is interesting that one's in september if you haven't been to minneapolis I'm a huge fan. Like it is a sure. fun city, great music, great bar scene, totally, totally underrated. I mean, this is where Prince is from. Like they literally, like there's a lot of good music there and um, like a lot of good beer too. So um, I, and they got a new stadium. So like that one's, I think a pretty appealing uh, game to go to uh, at Steelers. I've never been to a Steelers game. At some point, I would like to see uh, a Steelers home game. Um at Green Bay, anytime you can go to Green Bay, especially if you can get a win, um, it'd be fun. It is a little bit later; it's in November.
3: In November in Green Bay, yeah, it sounds like a great trip.
1: The the biggest challenge with Green Bay is you have to fly into Milwaukee, and it's like a it's just a bear to get to Green Bay. Honestly, it's like a two nice. hour drive from there. Yeah, it's not fun. Um, yeah, I'm not doing Washington. That. Eh. Um, yeah, um, I mean DC is great. Uh, people are not going. What's the deal about the Texans? dana like will yeah. like everyone's going uh, josh are all going to the texans game like oh uh, you can go to go to houston or whatever like why do you want to go to houston i, I don't understand like I, i've flown through there it's like a big concrete jungle like what is there that i would why would i want to go there
2: maybe they want to see a win guaranteed win no, no, no. <laughs> i don't know Ira taylor
3: and uh, mark ingram and well, so before we piss off Houston, I think Dana did say that they have a huge um, CX fan base, right? Isn't that what she was saying? That there's like, like a Seahawks.
1: big. I think the Seahawks, I don't know if they have a CX big fan base, but I think maybe it's the Seahawkers every year pick a game, a road game that they go to. This might be the one. They oh, pick. okay. I don't know, but that's, I know that that happens. I see. Um, someone's telling me that Houston's a fun ass city. I don't know. I'll, 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 I mean, I'll give it a shot. But it's not hot. on this list so far, it's pretty low. Like, places to visit, I don't know. Um, and then at, I do want to see the new Ram Stadium. Like, LA is a good spot to go in December, like right before Christmas. Uh, not a bad time to be in LA and that new stadium. And then the final road game. I think we're going to see each other there. Right. I think we're planning to maybe go to Arizona um, in January, like not a bad time to go to Arizona. Um, And we win there a lot. Uh, And I think that's one of the more fun places to go. It's cheap to go from Seattle and the pregame spots are great. Like cheap in general, like to stay in Arizona. Um, So they're probably still going to be counting votes when we're there. Um, (laughs) But
3: otherwise it's, it's a fun place to be. What a, what, a, what percent chance do they go two three four five oh and six to start the year? What
1: percent chance?
3: Yeah, Owen oh, six. I think it's Colts, done. Titans, Vikings, Niners, Rams, Steelers. I'd say one. One percent.
2: Yeah, they have the better quarterback in almost every game. As good as those teams are, it's Carson Wentz, Brian Tannenal, who lost Seanu Smith, his offensive coordinator, and Corey Davis. Then it's who's the third one? Kirk Cousins. Then it's Jimmy G, potentially, or a rookie. As hard as those games are, Seattle's got a major quarterback advantage every game, right? To lose all of those games, even Ben, Ben looked like shit last year. His arm was falling off, and their team got a lot worse. If they lose every one of those games, either Russell got injured or something went really, really wrong. I don't see all
1: six. Yeah, I don't think Nathan's necessarily saying it's likely, but there's not an easy game in that.
3: In that no, I, I would agree with that. You're saying two and four. I think the big hurdle is the Colts game. Or the, the big thing there is the, not hurdle, but the easiest game there is the Colts game, right? I mean, very easily they come out 1-0 on one the gate, right? Uh, but then past that, like, I mean, if they lose the Colts game, they could, the game, they could at least pretty easily end up 0-5, right? I mean, the Steelers, will see what they are. But that home
2: opener I mean, should be interesting with the
3: fans back. I
1: think, think they can well, beat the
2: Titans. I, the, the Titans' roster got a lot worse, and they lost Arthur Smith, is a big part of Tannehill's development. I'm really interested to see what happens.
1: And Corey Davis. They lost Davis, Johnny Smith. they're off in two, went back. Where did Davis go? The Jets. New York, I thought
2: he's the new number one receiver for the Jets. Yeah. So and they didn't replace him. They don't. They they signed Josh Reynolds. That's it.
1: And I also think the Vikings are are beatable. Like, if I was like, just sweep aside my emotional side of this, which is hard to do, but I I am capable if I really try. I look at that and I'm like, three and three seems totally realistic. Yeah, Um, I think if I was a betting person, I would say four and two. Are you
3: happy with three and three?
1: I wouldn't be happy with it. But I think that that's the minimum bar if you want to have a chance at a productive season. Um, But yeah, I think if I was to just really play the probabilities, I think four and two is what I would guess um, out of that first six games. And if you did that, then, you know, the season's open for you, especially if, if two of those four wins come against the Rams and the 49ers.
3: I gonna say what, what the Niners are this year is going to make a huge difference. I mean, obviously, you play them twice, so there's that, but like, you know, just the upside that they have, if they can reclaim what they were two years ago or, you know, even close, right, and just be a really good team again, um, or they're, you know, kind of a dumpster fire like we saw last year, that's like a huge swing in what this schedule ends up looking like.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think they're by far the best setup for 2022 and beyond in the division. 2021 yeah. is, Mystery, but they look really well set up to be the team to, to be for the foreseeable future. This might be the last chance for a while.
1: Why can't we have the AFC East? I, I know it's, it's like, like, a, a like, for two decades, Brady and Belichick got like just the easiest Dolphins teams and mostly crappy Bills teams and mostly crappy Jets teams. Like, it wasn't even just one of them at a the time, like, half their division was just like bottom feeders ah I mean not only do the Seahawks have the toughest division in football but these guys like they make their team like they keep making good moves like they're making for the most part pretty smart moves and I think you could say that every single team in the division made a pretty significant step forward this this offseason like sucks because it sucks yeah it's terrible. They were tough last year and, and the, the 49ers were pretty tough, even though they lost most of their team to injury. So it's going to be brutal. Um, but the Seahawks were king of that division. I mean, as much as we crap on them, they won that division. Um, so like, you know, it's easy. I think people f- tend to get a little bit negative about the Seahawks. The show never does. We're always positive, but uh, Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's it's impossible, impossible, impossible to predict NFL schedules, injuries, so much changes. Like, we just don't know. But it, on its face, looks like a tough schedule. It, it does not look like an easy, you know, <laughs> uh, path to a division title type of schedule. Um, all right. We've gone past an hour. Uh, <laughs> Thankfully, YouTube finally kicked in. I'm very hoping that, crossing my fingers, that the the whole audio recorded so we can publish it to SoundCloud later. But um, if folks uh, ever have this problem again, you can always go to facebook.com slash HawkBlogger. We multicast there. Every show, not new for this one, always there. Um, And there is comment threads there as well. Uh, And go to uh, patreon.com slash hot sign up, um, get access to the Slack channel, active conversations, uh, fantastic offseason stuff. I'm still getting a lot of my offseason news there. In fact, I got fooled. Guys, I got fooled because someone in our Patreon chat in Slack.
3: Don't posted- blame it on the patrons.
1: They posted a link from the Seahawks PR about, I think KJ Wright signing. And I like was I think I went on and talked to you guys about it and all of you just laughed at me and I was like, oh God, darn it! So I trust the patrons to be that filter of quality um, of the news and they, they failed me there. But um, in general, it's a fantastic source to stay up with what's going on with Seahawks. Easy to get in there. Um, happy to have you. And then uh, also click click the like button, please. I know we had some trouble today. that's not our fault. YouTube's a big part of google they should fix this themselves we can't handle it but please give us a like um and uh subscribe if you haven't already because our schedule is a little bit off i i'll admit guys i'm the problem um at least on wednesdays i've got my golf league uh on wednesday nights and to be totally honest it's a higher priority to me than than the the podcast uh during the off season that's a horrible thing to say to this group but golf is kind of a obsession right now so it, it takes and i'm winning some money too we we uh we, we took home the title a couple weeks ago so um i think we got like 40 bucks it was great it's great um all right uh if you guys haven't um uh click subscribe click like patreon.com slash hoc blogger we will be back with you uh whenever we feel like we can be <laughs> We're never gonna be very non-committal for a little bit, uh, but gonna to try to be back as soon as there's news to talk about, um, we will try to get on and talk about it. And appreciate all your patience. Hope you're all having a wonderful spring getting outside if you're in Seattle enjoying some of the weather. and uh, we will be back to you as soon as possible. So until then go Hawks.